Hey, this is Coach Shea with Alpha Girl Soccer Academy, and welcome to the Alpha Girl Soccer Podcast Show, where we aim to inspire, empower, and positively impact female athletes. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Alpha Girl Soccer Podcast. My guest today is the host of the On the Touchline Podcast, youth soccer and high school soccer coach, and all-around amazing human being and advocate for soccer, Coach Jason Broadwater. Jason, how are things going for you over in Pittsburgh today? Yeah, doing great, Shay, and thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, as I told you in, the, in our warm-up, I uh, just absolutely love what you're doing and uh, what Alpha Girls Soccer stands for, uh, and is the dad of two little girls that, um, you know, trying to raise strong, independent females, and mm-hmm. uh, that's what it's all about, uh, uh, you know, in my book. So thanks for having me. Yeah, so I, I'm excited to have you on because it was I had a lot of fun on your podcast back in April, I believe it was. Um, so that was really fun. And then, like I said, you've been a huge advocate, and I think that what you're doing over in Pittsburgh is amazing. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to have you on today, and we're going to talk a little bit about, well, I guess a lot of bit about you know how parents can improve. Uh, their youth players experience and also coaches and stuff like that but before we get into that if you want to tell our listeners a little bit more about you and why you're so passionate about this beautiful game yeah um so I often tell my players and uh, my my wife uh, if she were here (laughs) she could vouch for this that um it's the best sport in the world you know period the end and um when people have a chance to experience it and to see the glory and the passion and the um just the you know what this sport can provide um for us as coaches and as players and and even as parents um you'll realize that you know every other sport out there is it just doesn't hold a candle to uh to football or to to soccer um so a a little bit about me um so i i did not have an extensive playing career um i played as as a youth player um was uh you know a travel slash rec player um actually left the game of soccer um, slash football for a really long time. And it wasn't until I was in college that I was helping with our men's team uh, at the uh, the college I was at. And I was around it, but I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't involved in playing or whatever and was learning the game and paying attention to it. Always liked it um, and, you know, uh, thought it was uh, something, a a really great sport to be around, but, um, you know, never sort of found my way in. And it wasn't actually until, um, you know, my son was born uh, over nine years ago. And when he started playing soccer um, back in 2014, that I thought that there could be an opportunity. Um, I had played a number of sports growing up, you know, very American um, <laughs> in my background of, of sports I played from soccer to baseball to basketball, American football, golf, mm-hmm. and probably everything in between. And, um, you know, it had always thought, in the back of my mind that being a coach would be something that would be interesting to me. I just, I love sports. I love the competition. I love the preparation. Um, I love the, you know, just the, what goes into making an athlete. And I'm one of the people that genuinely believe that life lessons can be taught through sport. And in Mm -hmm. this particular case, um, you know, through football, through soccer, so use those terms sort of interchangeably if, if people are Either wondering why I keep called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, to me, it should be called football, but yeah, hey, that's just I agree. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so, uh, you know, realizing that, you know, sport can be just a, a great vehicle for, um, for kids. It was a great vehicle for me, um, really helped shape, 
I think sort of, uh, you know, some of the determination and, and grittiness that I have just as a human being. And, um, you know, that ability to push through tough times in life um, have had some, some really tough personal circumstances at different times in my life. And, you know, if it wasn't for sport, I actually don't know if I would have been able to get through, you know, those times. And luckily, I have a great support system in my family and my wife. And, um, you know, very openly talk about working with a, a psychotherapist uh, at different times in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all these things sort of together that have made me into who I am. Uh, not only as a person, but but as a coach. And I think, um, you know, like I said, that, that football or, or soccer can be, it can be that mechanism for a young person to go on to that next level, right? As a successful business owner, or to be a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer or, you know, work in marketing or work at a bank or whatever they decide to do is their professional path. That drive to want to be excellent um, I think it can be accomplished, um, you know, through sport. So um, have coached everything from, um, you know, the the tiny kickers of the, you know, the the little little kids, the preschool age kids, uh, all the way to high school kids. Um, have aspirations of, of working in the college game someday, and um, yeah, uh, you know, people say, what do you do for fun? Um, I, I, I coach soccer, <laughs> and I, I watch soccer, and. Um, my my three year old daughter likes to joke with me that she just refers to me as a, a silly little coach. So <laughs> <laughs> she's probably right. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Um, so although I'm not a parent, obviously I don't know yeah. if I ever will be one, but I am super passionate about like because when I go to games, the the thing I hate the most and the thing that makes me the most frustrated and sad and angry is when kids are playing their game and parents are screaming at the top of their lungs there and you can tell the kids are just hanging their heads when their parents do that and as a player like for most of my club career um my dad was like really really hard on me um on the field and after games and stuff like that so for you as a former player and now a parent and a coach how have you seen if any changes have you seen with like parent behavior on the sidelines affecting players? Has it, has it gotten worse? Do you think, has it stayed the same? What is your take on that? Yeah. I, f- I feel like uh, when I write my book about my, my life in, in football or soccer, that this, this is definitely a full chapter uh, for <laughs> sure. Um, and I would call it the good, the bad, the ugly. And a lot of it starts. So I was writing down some notes of, of you know, kind of related to this topic. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think it's really broken down to three different things. So there is the, you know, the pre-match or, or pre-training ride to, uh, you know, that session or that match. What is actually discussed, um, you know, in the car? Sort of what are the expectations of the family, the parent? Um, how's the player feeling? You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. There's the match itself um, of, you know, what goes on during a match or a training session, how involved a, a parent is or isn't. And then there's the ride home. Um, and in mm. some cases, I would say the, the dreaded ride home because uh, <laughs> yeah. I, Shay, I can completely relate to, um, you know, uh, when maybe I didn't have my best game, right? And that ride home was like, God, like, I get it. <laughs> like, you, you don't have to remind me that I played poorly. You know, um, I'm smart enough to know that I, I didn't put my best effort out there today. Yeah. So, um, what I would compare it to is, you know, sort of the, the ride to a, a training session or match is sort of like priming, um, you know, to get, to get ready to, to put paint on a wall or to, to use a lawnmower or something like that, where you're sort of setting the tone 
for what that expectation is for the player. So I think there's a make or break point there in terms of are you building them up or are you already starting to tear them down? And I think our role as parents um, and as those connected to players, I think really our job is to build players up, right? We want them to get out of the car. We want them to feel confident and strong Mm -hmm. about um, sort of their mental side and, you know, go and, and do what they do. And if they don't, you know, meet those expectations they've set for themselves or, um, you know, that they have for us as parents or, or whatever, it's okay. You know, it's then figuring out how do you, um, you know, have that conversation with your player, you know, when that time comes. And w- when a training session or match is actually going on, so imagine that, you know, you and I are, are sitting for our SATs or ACTs. We literally have somebody over our shoulder going, cliche. <laughs> Do this, pick this one, pick C. Hey, Jason, no, no, you messed up there. No, what, do you, what are you doing? Come on, stop, <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, We've absolutely. all seen it. And it drives me absolutely, you know, batty. Um, now as a parent, um, because I can just show up and watch my son play. I literally sit on my hands and say <laughs> almost nothing uh, during the match. Um, <clears throat> and, and that's been amazing because he has truly thrived as a player because there isn't this pressure from dad uh, or from mom, you know, for him to perform as if, as if he's like in the circus or something like that, right? Right. Go out and perform and put on a great show, you know, entertain us, right? uh, you know, that sort of thing. Um, So players are engaged in active learning when they're on a field uh, or on a pitch in a training session or whatever. So again, to use the SAT, ACT, you know, test model or whatever, that it's incredibly distracting that if someone is trying to, you know, look over your shoulder, you know, poke you in the arm, um, whisper in your ear, hey, here's what you should do. Let them figure it out. Let them fail. Let them make mistakes. Let them, you know, um, kind of navigate their own path. We're actually better mm-hmm. as parents, as family members, when they can do that. And the players are better off in the long run, you know, because of that. And I think, um, you know, this is a bit of a generalization here, but I would say, you know, uh, it, it's probably true that we as parents have to be secure and comfortable with who we are first and to not project that onto our children. Mm-hmm. When we do that, we're trying to live vicariously through them, right? It's their life. Yeah. Our playing career, our playing days are behind us. Um, I coach a separate team from my son's team. Um, you know, I'm not trying to uh, dump that on him just because I want him to perform, you know, a certain way. So I, I would recommend to any parent, to any family member to actually hit the pause button, right? And if you feel yourself getting elevated, if you feel yourself sort of getting into the, um, you know, the, the, the passion of a match, and let's face it, I mean, football and soccer is an incredibly passionate sport. And especially if, you know, you're in a really tight match and your team comes back and they, they score a, you know, incredible goal and just the emotion you feel, not only as a player, as a coach, um, but as a parent. I mean, it's real. It's apparent. I mean, you can't <laughs> deny that. Yeah. But also knowing that, you know, there's boundaries and knowing kind of what the role of a parent is. Um, so, you know, that, that all factors in. And then last but not least um, is the, the ride home of... Mm-hmm. If a player had a great game, if a player had a bad game, um, I actually try and, um, you know, give a little bit of a buffer, especially in my, my situation with my son, 
to even really talk about the match. Mm -hmm. Um, If there's things that he did well, I'll immediately tell him, you know, hey, uh, man, you had a great turn there. Or, you know, I love that you had your head up and you made a great pass. Uh, You guys were, you know, you were building toward to to score a goal, but for whatever reason, it may or may not have worked out. Um, Or, um, you know, it seems like you're getting more comfortable playing out of the back. Um, It's great to see that. I love how you're working with your teammates. You know, you're a great teammate when you weren't on the field because you were supporting, you know, I saw you cheering on your teammates. Um, And look for those positive things. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't spend much time, you know, in terms of the negative right after a match. For sure. I usually try and wait actually 24 hours. And, you know, if we have a recap about a match or whatever, I just, I ask my son, you know, what did you see? What did you feel? Um, how do you feel that ma- the match went, you know, for you as a player? What could you do, do differently next time? And I just listen. Uh, I don't really interject, you know, much feedback. I just listen. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes he's forthcoming with information. Sometimes I have to lead him a little bit more in terms of my own observations, but I want him to sort of discover it. Um, you know, and, and that's all sort of part of the, the, the mix, I guess you could say. The last thing I'll say uh, about this particular topic, so um, it varies from club to club, situation to situation, right? Some clubs are incredibly explicit when it comes to parent behavior. Some do an excellent job of educating parents of here is your role. Here's why it looks a little bit different when it comes to football or soccer versus, you know, basketball or baseball or American football or, you know, any other youth uh, sport out there. But here are what our expectations are. So when your son or daughter steps onto the pitch, not only are they representing themselves and your family, but they're representing our club. Mm -hmm. So we always want to put our best foot forward. And then, um, you know, any opportunity, I mean, that's preseason meetings, that's in-season meetings, that's email communication. Um, Some parents are quick learners when it comes to this topic (laughs) and sort of, you know, take their cues from the club. Um, other parents like to sort of test their boundaries, much like children do, um, <laughs> in terms of uh, figuring out, you know, well, how far can I actually go before someone sort of says, hey, you know, you probably need to reel it in um, just a little bit. So, um, yeah, so it, it, it's a lot of different things there. And, you know, I would be happy that, um, you know, whenever we finish up the podcast, that if anyone, any parent, um, any mm-hmm. player or whatever is, you know, encountered in a situation where, they're really just not sure how to navigate it. I can't promise that I have an answer to every scenario, but I would certainly be willing to listen mm-hmm. um, because every situation's you know certainly unique. But I definitely feel like I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly uh, yeah. when it comes to, to this particular topic. And that um, when it's good, it can be really, really good, and a kid can feel empowered. A kid can feel confident. A kid can feel. Um, you know, like they're growing not only as a player, but as a person. And that um, I think what they're looking for are champions. I think they're looking for cheerleaders. I think they're looking for people who they can go to and support them. And I had a player um, when I was coaching some of the younger kids um, in a previous life, um, literally during the middle of a match, I pulled him off, subbed on another kid. And I asked him, I said, what, what's going on? I said, you don't seem like yourself today. And he literally started to break down in tears mm-hmm. in the middle of a match. Um, now, mind you, he's playing really, really well. Mm-hmm. But the constant yet the, 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 the chirping from his parents, it was relentless. And I told him, I said, 
the only voice that you need to hear out there is mine or, you know, my coaching partner. I said, right. you are, you are playing a great match. I'm incredibly proud of you. Um, don't worry, you know, tune everything out. Now for you 10 player, e- easier said than done, right? <laughs> um, you know, and it reminds me of sort of a, um, kind of like my own, um, you know, I don't know if I've ever been uh, diagnosed with ADHD, but I feel like I have it some <laughs> days where I'm like, look, a bird, you know, look over there, you know, right. that's exactly what's going on for a kid in terms of hearing literally 9,000 different voices. And I'm trying to explain something maybe technical or tactical during a match and, you know, their heads in the clouds and, and they're not paying attention to anything that I'm saying. Um, so yeah, like I said, I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, I, I hope that we continue to evolve and, um, you know, get better in this area, uh, not only as parents, but as family members, as clubs, um, we as a collective, you know, soccer football society here in the States that I think we can continue to do better, um, you know, for sure. Yeah. And I actually want to go back to when you were talking about, you know, like the culture of a club, like some clubs have the culture of, of, you know, having the parents have certain expectations. And I recently, I've been going to a lot of games lately, fall season, watching my players play. And some of my players play on rec leagues and some are competition. And the thing that I've noticed, um, rec versus middle, low level competition versus higher level competition is the rec levels, the parents are the craziest. They're the most mm-hmm. chatty. They're they're coaching from the sidelines. They're yelling from the sidelines. They're talking to their kids when they come off and get subbed. And then on the middle level competition, it's more of just like coaching from the sidelines, yelling from the sidelines. They're not like talking to their kid when they come off. And then you go from there to the higher level competition and the sidelines are nearly silent. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's a few like, yeah, good job cheering, but it's absolutely like nothing like those other, those other two organizations. So mm-hmm. it's just interesting that the culture, I think the culture is such a huge part of it. Um, and so if someone's listening to this, that has any type of leadership within the club or even a team manager or something, just creating that culture of like, Hey, this is their game. We're not here to coach them. We're here to, you know, support them and encourage them. So I think that was a really good point that you brought up um, that I wanted to hit home a little bit. I've had a identical experience, um, you know, from rec all the way up to high school and club and, and everything in between travel soccer as well. Um, that it does seem that the the higher you go, um, you know, in terms of the, maybe the competition that not in every situation, but in most situations, most, yeah. Um, the, the, yeah, the, the parent behavior um, seems to be a little more, um, I guess I would use the word nuanced in terms of them understanding some of the details of the game a little bit better. Yeah. And I would say, um, I, I've never been a director of coaching, but you know, that would be a position that would be really interesting to me because I think at a club, there's a massive opportunity or a manager you know, as part of a team to educate and to help explain and I think, um, you know, for the most part, what it comes down to is people just not knowing, you know, and, th- and that's absolutely okay. Um, you know, soccer isn't necessarily um, as much in our DNA as a society as it is in, say, a European or a South American country. Um, but we can educate and become better because of it in sort of, you know, what should you look for, right? If you're watching a game and it's a, a U10 match, 
what could you expect maybe from your son or daughter? You know, what would be, you know, three or four things that you could be really proud of? Um, and so, you know, um, <laughs> it makes, made me think of a quick story that um, my wife was actually at one of our matches recently. And she goes, wow, she goes, the opposing fans, she goes, they just kept yelling, you know, boot it and clear it and get rid of it and, and yeah. all these things. You know, this was a, it was a high school match. And she goes, and she said to me, she goes, I know you talk about these things a lot in, you know, one, just how much they annoy me. Um, yeah. they, certain, they, they certainly do. Right. But again, massive opportunity to educate. And I think, uh, you know, for us as a coach, an administrator, however we're involved in the game, it doesn't really matter what the title is. I, I think football and soccer is about educating, you know, those around us. That's how we become better as a society. That's how we look mm -hmm. for the nuances. That's how we, um, you know, one of the, the first things that I've told my players when we even look at film, don't look at where the ball is, you know, look at what's happening away from the ball, yeah. um, you know, and then you see the game completely differently. And as a quick aside, that's why it's really hard to watch any match and not go into coach mode, <laughs> uh, you know, almost immediately because I'm not watching things that other people are watching, um, you know, and that's just sort of how I've become wired. So it's kind of hard to watch a match now strictly for just pleasure or enjoyment. <laughs> Even yeah. though, you know, Everton uh, gives me enough heartache and enough heartburn for a lifetime. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. So um, going back, because you, you made a point earlier that a lot of people might might have missed when we were talking about the dreaded ride home. And that was that, number one, you usually like give it 24 hours, right? Because I've learned like, I would say, I don't know, I could be wrong on this, but maybe like 80% of the time. 80% of players don't want to talk about the game after they play. Like most of them just want to go eat their Chick-fil-A, you know, go have fun, fun with their friends, whatever. And there, there are some players that do want to talk about the game and break it down. But the thing you said that really stuck with me that I think is super important is that you listen. You don't just talk, but you actually listen. You let your, your son or your daughter kind of go through the game and you just listen because it also helps them to learn when they're kind of evaluating their self. Mm -hmm. Well, absolutely. And if, um, you know, someone has any opportunity to continue to advance, right? So goal, goal number one for me as a coach, if I'm coaching young players, is that they come back and continue to play the game. Never want players to walk away. And so, yeah, there's uh, circumstances out of my control that being, you know, the, the ride home, right? Can't, can't be a part of that. Um, so I, I agree. I mean, a 24-hour rule, um, I mean, I think part of it is just gauging the temperature of the room. Right. And what I mean by that is to see sort of the body language your son or daughter has when they walk off the pitch. Um, you know, if they're sort of beaming and maybe they scored a goal or two or maybe they had a really great assist or, um, you know, just played an overall great match or whatever, they might be a little bit more inclined to talk about it. Absolutely. But if there's, you know, shoulders are sort of slumped down and, you know, they're kind of like kind of sulking a little bit or, or whatever, it might not be the time to sort of dive into that topic. And, mm -hmm. you know, typically, at least I speak for my son here, um, you know, after a match, I mean, he, he's literally like a, a wild animal that hasn't had food in like months. <laughs> That's so how he I doesn't want to talk. <laughs> he doesn't want to talk about the match. Um, you know, he, he wants Chick-fil-A or, or something, something else. So, uh, and, and I don't blame him. Um, you know, you just put in a good body of work, you're physically tired, like 
last thing you want to do is like go through some like analysis session with dad, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah. I, I think it's about me just recognizing, um, like I said, sort of the temperature of the room of when a good time to have that conversation is. And, you know, and, and for, and it just comes down to knowing your kids, your family, kids that you're around, whatever. I mean, um, you know, typically after a match, I mean, our ride home, I mean, like we'll put music on, um, my son's really into music. Like that's one of the ways he, de you know, de-stresses. Um, you know, we'll definitely usually we typically stop if, if time allows and, and get something to eat. So it's about, I mean, then it goes into family time, you know, pretty quickly. And then right. we can talk about the match and stuff later on. Yeah. Um, because I, I mean, I, even after a win for me as a coach, I, I don't, I don't always immediately want to talk about the match, right? I mean, I get why there's a cooling off period and I admire any professional manager, um, you know, working in a, a coaching setting where they then have to go on camera and interview, you know, get interviewed or whatever. I understand why, you know, uh, coaches lose their mind sometimes <laughs> because I, I'm annoyed, you know, uh, win or loss, you know, win or lose after a match sometimes, um, even if we won and we didn't play that well, I'm like, man, we could have done these things better. I don't really want to talk about it, right? I don't want to go into like an in-depth analysis mm -hmm. because I'll just get wound up, and, you know, kind of do something I regret or <laughs> yell at somebody that I don't want to yell at or, you know, something right. like that. Absolutely. So along with like the whole parent thing, coaching from the sidelines. So a lot of parents, um, I guess rec leagues is where I'm going with this is a lot of the coaches that are coaching for rec leagues are parent volunteers, even some clubs, right? They'll have parent mm -hmm. volunteers or just volunteers in general. So this drives me crazy when I go, when I'm training and maybe there's like a rec team training across from me. And I know it's not the coach's fault, but it drives me nuts. And that's like, they will literally just like set the balls up and just see who can take it the farthest. And like, that's their practice. Mm -hmm. Like they're not working on technical skills. They're not working on the basics. And I know, like I said, that's not the coach's fault. It's just like, I think our education system, I think we need to make it more accessible to those parent coaches and just let like, they need to know the basics of how to coach a team. What mm -hmm. should they be working on? Stuff like that. So like, what would you say for parent coaches or volunteer coaches that have, don't really have a lot of experience? What advice would you give them for how they can maybe learn more about the game or, or, you know, how to structure a training session and stuff like that? Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I was that person, uh, early on <laughs> in my career. Um, I was that volunteer parent, you know, coach, um, and thought, Hey, you know, perhaps I could add some value here to, uh, to this team at the time. Um, so for any parent that's been there or is in that situation, I, I certainly can relate. Um, uh, I guess golden rule, uh, at least for me, uh, players should always have a ball at their feet, right? Mm -hmm. Not just kicking the ball away, um, not just, uh, you know, chasing it or seeing how far they can boot it or whatever, <laughs> but actually doing something with the ball at their feet. Um, and so uh, you know, Tom Beyer, um, he has a, a book that he wrote, um, you know, that, that soccer starts at home. So for a player, to, you know, to develop their confidence, a player to evolve as a player, you know, in terms of the tactics of the game, it really starts with having a strong foundation of a tech, you know, technical ability. Um, that means loving the soccer ball, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to do different turns, being able to 
um, feel confident with the ball at your feet, being able to, um, you know, to take players on uh, in a 1v1 situation where you just don't panic and have a meltdown like we've all seen players do. Um, so there are incredible resources out there, um, you know, right now. Completely agree. Uh, coaching education at all, all levels from, you know, uh, the lowest level license all the way to the highest. Uh, they need to be more affordable and they need to um, be open that parents, yeah. especially if it's a, a parent volunteer who's just giving a few hours or, or whatever, um, you know, uh, they need to be able to access some of those resources. So I, I do think there's an educational component to it as well. I also think that, um, you know, for any parent in that situation, it's like anything in life, right? If you put zero effort into uh, you know, your diet or exercise or your nine to five job or whatever, you're probably not going to get much out of it, right? But if you plan, uh, you kind of think through, okay, well, I'm not a, a U8 player, but, you know, what developmentally would be good for them to maybe learn at this age? You know, and we're not talking about like working on throw-ins, <laughs> but like actually having a ball with their feet, right? right. Um, or seeing how far we can kick a goal kick or something like that. Like, come on, you know, let's drill down a little bit more. Um, so for any parent, I mean, watch as much as you can um, in terms of soccer, you know, follow a team, pick a team in the Premier League, pick a, uh, an NWSL team, pick, it doesn't matter. I mean, there, there's enough quality football being played right now mm -hmm. that you can find something to pay attention to. Does it have to look like it looks in 11 v 11? Absolutely not. You know, if you're coaching a U8 or a U10 team. But how did they get to that point? So what are they doing in training that those players are that confident, you know, with the ball at their feet? Um, you know, so for, uh, for me, a lot of it, dribbling, passing, being able to receive a ball, um, you know, with the correct foot, how to make a, uh, a proper pass, um, you know, communication mm -hmm. with teammates, um, you know, all those little things. And then um, what I would say, if I'm the coach of that team, I'm inviting the parents in either before a training session or after a training session or after a match or whatever. And I say to them, okay, here's what we worked on this week. Now I want to, you know, I want you to work on these three things because I'm only going to see you maybe one time or two times, this, right. you know, in the next week. So I want you to work on these on the days we're not together. And um, if you can, uh, you know, have a, a soccer ball virtually in every room of your house because, is I found, so I have a, you know, I have three kids and my one-year-old, um, she's going to be 13 months here in a few days. She literally, if she, there's a ball in the room, Shay, she will find the ball and she will start kicking it. It wasn't because I told her, you know, it wasn't because I said, Hey, Hope, go find that soccer ball and start kicking it. Right. right. She found it on her own and started kicking it. So again, for us, um, I mean, I completely subscribe to this idea that, you know, football or soccer has to start at home. And I get, you know, I'm, I'm painting probably an idealistic, uh, you know, picture here that every situation and every family situation is great and blah, 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 blah. Soccer balls aren't that expensive. A kid right. can have a soccer ball, you know, and if a kid is really struggling to, to, to have one, I mean, let me know. I, I will send it to them. I mean, mm -hmm. seriously. Um, and the, the awesome thing about our game. So, you know, you want to get better at, at baseball or basketball or other sports. Yeah, there's things you can do without being on a field or you know, having a basketball hoop or whatever. Literally, you need a surface and a soccer ball to yeah. get better. Right. That's all you need, right? You don't need, 
I mean, every, you know, I'm sure you get like a thousand of these emails a week. I know I do of like, Hey, buy this product. This will help you with blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Great. But for me, you know, and some people have said like my view of the game is, is probably simplistic. I don't think it needs to be complicated, I, I guess is what I'm saying. And I think for parents that, um, you know, whether they played, whether they didn't play, I mean, whatever the case may be, there's a massive opportunity for parents to learn. And if you're invested in your kid, which I would assume, you know, the majority of parents are, they love their kids unconditionally, you're going to do whatever it takes to support your kid, right? And if the kid loves that soccer ball, then do whatever it takes to help them continue to love that soccer ball. Don't be that barrier of entry, uh, you know, for them mm -hmm. where they go, well, mom or dad are making, you know, they're not making it fun anymore or, you know, God, it's like, blah, it's really awful. Or I don't want to go to soccer practice or whatever. Like I've heard all the horror stories. I've lived some of the horror stories, mm -hmm. you know, and part of it is just my own self-awareness now. And I hope anyone listening to this doesn't misconstrue that I have it all figured out. I don't, <laughs> you know, we're, we're a hot mess. So we, we jokingly call ourselves the hot mess express at our house. We're a work in progress, but we've committed to, to the work. And as a family of getting better and wanting to, you know, support our kids and make sport a part of their life, um, you know, in a lifelong activity for that matter. Yeah. Like it doesn't back to like dribbling the ball around the house. Like, and if there's any players listening to this as well, like you don't have to go out and do all these drills in your backyard or go to the park, even just having a ball at your foot, like when you're walking around the house, dribbling it around, even if you're just watching TV, like sitting on the couch, like touching the ball, the more yep. that players are around the ball, like they're literally forming a relationship with the ball and getting mm -hmm. more comfortable with it at their feet. So I love that, yeah. you know, like you said, like bring the parents in after practice and say, Hey, this is what we worked on. Now, can you like kind of reinforce this at home? Mm -hmm. Well, and I've gone as far as, um, so, you know, uh, in this sort of media, you know, communications world and marketing world, um, it is nothing for a coach to record, um, you know, what they want their parents to do, right? So if they have no idea what a toe touch is or a toe tap or, mm -hmm. um, you know, a pendulum or, or something like that, show them, right? Because I'm the type, I'm a visual learner. So if I'm telling you, hey, Shay, you know, you've never played soccer before and your parents really have never played soccer before, but I need you to do all these things. I need you to do an outside chop. <laughs> and they say, what the hell is an outside chop? <laughs> you know, I, I've had a chop salad, but I don't know what an outside <laughs> chop is. Um, <laughs> you know, so let show them, show them what that actually looks like. Um, you know, and I, I mean, I just think it's an easy excuse for coaches when they say, well, I don't know how to use iMovie or I don't know how to do this or I don't know how to do that. Learn, right? Mm -hmm. If you're invested in your players and you're giving your time, learn. Mm -hmm. Your job is to make them better. Even right. if you're, you're getting paid, not getting paid, learn. So. Yeah. And also, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the, the there's a U.S. soccer grassroots program. Is That's free, isn't it? Yeah. So some of the, the entry level um, courses. So uh, it, it's changed a little bit in the last few years, um, but they, they have different, you know, you can do some of it online. You have to do, I think, two of the courses in person. The courses for those entry level um, or the cost for those courses for the entry level things are actually not bad. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're talking like less than a hundred dollars. 
Um, so, you know, again, not great, not free, but at least reasonable versus a few thousand dollars when you get into a C license or, mm -hmm. you know, a right. B license or whatever. And, you know, I'm looking at my C license next year and, you know, my wife and I've already had that conversation of, you know, I'm going to have to go away for a week, two times. I'm going to have to find lodging, meals, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, we're looking at a few thousand dollars to do something that is going to add value for me as a coach. Mm -hmm you know, not everyone's probably going to go to that level or, or higher or whatever. And that's absolutely fine. You know, if they're working for their local community club and they, they want to help out, um, you can still learn a lot. And so this is where I disagree, I guess, with, with U.S. soccer in terms of sort of their methodology when it comes to play practice play. Um, mm -hmm. That might be effective in a rec environment. But if you're in something a little more competitive, um, I'll be quite honest. I, I tried to use something similar to that um, with some young players that I had at U10. They absolutely hated it. Um, mm. They actually were, when I had, when they were arriving for our training session to begin and I told them to jump in and start playing, you know, we'll start with two V twos, three V threes, two V ones, whatever, you know, depending on how many players they had. And literally they asked a thousand questions of you want me to do what? Coach, this isn't what we normally do. Why are we doing this? You know, I mean, they got hung up on the details. Yeah. And, you know, the fact of like uh, sort of this like street, you know, street ball or, um, right. you know, kind of like pickup culture or whatever. I just, we've moved really, really far away from that. I think it's hard to move back to that. Not to say yeah. it's impossible. Mm -hmm. um, but I think play practice play is, is really served for that coach who, um you know, maybe is working in that rec environment and doesn't have much experience with the game, mm -hmm. that at least gives them a, a, a template, a, a guiding force where their kids are actually touching a soccer ball versus, you know, kicking the ball away or, yeah. you know, God forbid, I've seen people, well, like I said, work on throw-ins, um, you know, where I'm going, oh, can I just <laughs> run over there and fix this, please? Um, so... Yeah, so for for those of you that may not know what the play practice play, what he means by that. So to put it simply, so you start with play. So when your players arrive, you do like a little small sided game. So 2v2, 3v3, the kids just go and play. And then from there you have your practice where say you're working on uh, passing. So that's when you're having your more practice uh, mm -hmm. organized part of it. And then the end is just again play. So kind of putting everything you learned into play just kind of letting them play so I think yes like you said I think that's a great uh, way for coaches that are newer or in that rec environment to just go in and you know get it get the kids lots of touches on the ball um, right when they get there so I like that I've personally never used it because I it is pretty it's newer um, mm -hmm. and so I've never used it but I think it could be a great way for coaches that are kind of looking for a little bit more direction and organization mm -hmm. to do it that way. Yeah. Well, and the last thing I'll add, so the, the you know, sort of the, the, the idealistic and sort of, you know, perfect world scenario where, um, you know, say my nine-year-old is like going out and playing pickup with a bunch of his friends, you know, in the neighborhood. Um, I just don't think that's going to happen in 2019 and going no. forward. No. Um, you know, given, <laughs> you know, you, you look at any news site uh, today or, or whatever, you know, parents are incredibly, um, uh, you know, cautious and, yeah. um, you know, overly protective of their children, as they should be. Uh, I'm probably a little overly protective of, of my three. So I, I get that they're not just going to ship, 
you know, uh, little Susie or little Johnny out and say, go play at the park. You know, it's cool. Like come back when, you know, when the streetlights come on and you know, right. it's starting to get dark. <laughs> That's what I grew up with. Yeah, um, it was also a different time and it was a different era. So what I would say would be, you know, take it one step further. It would be organized, yet it would be unstructured. Mm -hmm. So we've, when I was working with a, a local club, an idea we had kicked around was basically like, we called it free play Fridays, mm -hmm. where we would just say, we have this space from, you know, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Anybody is welcome. Any travel player, any rec player, any parent, any, you know, whatever, any coach. Kids show up, first five that show, okay, there's your team. Okay, next five that show, there's your team. Mm -hmm. You just start playing. The only role of the parent or the coaches that show up would be basically, um, you know, to, to help keep things moving along, yeah. uh, to make sure, you know, no one's getting hurt, but no one's coaching, right? The kids are mm -hmm. sort of making their rules. They're figuring it out. Um, you know, if someone's unhappy with their team and they want to go play with their friends and, you know, hey, so-and-so is not passing me the ball or this has been a rough experience or whatever. Okay, figure it out, you know, uh, work, work out the problem. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've kicked around things like that. I think something along those lines is probably probably a little more realistic in the world yeah. we live in versus mm -hmm. saying like, yeah, go down to the local park, <laughs> you know, and just start playing, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's something that's missing from youth sports these days. It's just like unstructured play. Like, like you said, it doesn't have to be like go off on your own, but even just getting some friends together and just going to play to play, no coaching, just go out there and have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, absolutely. I mean, fun has to be, Number one. No, number one, number two, you know, on the list yeah. of why they're doing it. I mean, um, if it's not fun, they're not going to continue to do it. Absolutely. All right. So as we bring this podcast to a close, where can people learn more about you? And also where can they check out your On the Touchline podcast? And if you want, um, actually give us a little, a little spiel on what your podcast is all about as well. Yeah. Um, so if, if people listening to this uh, have come to realize that sometimes I just don't know when to shut up. So uh, that's probably why I got into podcasting. Um, so uh, available on all major podcasting platforms and um, my podcast. So I talk to coaches, players, and influencers uh, in the game of football or game of soccer. And, um, you know, it's really to tell their story uh, in terms of what they're doing, how they got to where they are. Um, you know, sometimes we, we drill down on specific topics, uh, you know, in the game itself. But largely, um, you know, talking to coaches and players and those that have sort of a, a bigger footprint, um, you know, in the game uh, to kind of learn from them and, and what their experience has been. Um, so you can find me uh, really active on Twitter and Instagram and uh, I'm at Soccer Coach JB. Uh, and yeah, I would love to reach out to anyone listening to this and, um, you know, feel free if you have questions or kind of hung up on something. I mean, I feel my role as a coach is to um, one, not only make myself accessible, but, you know, to, to just pay it forward and to be helpful and help players, parents, fellow coaches. Um, you know, I, I hope I don't come across as sort of a know-it-all because I, I know I have a, a lot to learn um, and as I continue to evolve as a coach. And, you know, it's funny how I looked at the game five years ago and how I look at the game now are mm. dramatically different. Um, you know, and just how I've evolved as a coach and as a person and really, you know, have, have landed on a philosophy and a style and 
can very quickly articulate that to someone if they say, well, like, what are you trying to do as a coach? You know, like I can tell a parent that pretty quickly now, whereas before mm-hmm. I think I was really struggling, um, you know, to do that. So, um, but yeah, Shay, I loved having you on my show and you're welcome back anytime. And um, this has certainly been a, a whole lot of fun for sure. Yeah. And thank you again so much for coming on. And you are like a big reason why, like you're the first person I reached out to, uh, to get advice on how to do these interview style uh, podcasts. And I think so far they're going pretty well. Um, so thank you so much for, for all that advice. But for those of you listening, I hope you got a ton of value from this episode. I will post, uh, Jason's information, his podcast, all his Twitter, Instagram, all that, and the show notes below. So you can click on that. Um, but thank you again, Jason, make sure you go follow him on Instagram, Twitter, and go check out the on the touchline podcast. All right. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you on next week episode.